Mifton down to Dungeon. Yeah. Um, Mifton Peeved. Mifton Peeved. That's a way of saying, like, you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I know it. It's a real world. 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 I don't use it, but it's not a real world. Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, also featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. And with me today is my good friend, Michele Berra. Michele, what's up? Apparently, the dream is free and the hassle sold separately. That's <laughs> Melo's tweet. Oh my gosh! And, and I know, I know where it comes from. And the picture is a bunch of like kids, probably from uh, some mellow camps out there. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that the, the the hustle sold separately, I think that mellow still needs to find a place where to buy some, right? <laughs> Let's get some, <laughs> especially at his age. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Basically, this is the first tweet that I saw this morning waking up. So oh. it was a good day from the beginning. Hello. <laughs> oh man, uh, do you still just just a little update on Mello? Do you still expect to uh, see Mello in a different jersey next season? I don't know. I mean, i i keep I keep talking myself into the fact that he could try to. Um, I mean, the buyout is the likeliest. We, yeah. you know, uh, and the twenty-three percent that I um, raised as probably the highest percentage for me to go uh, in terms of having him next year. I think it's still there, um, but the twenty million on on the cap is is a huge figure. So I I don't really know. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> like paying him twenty just to walk away, it's. I don't know if OKC can 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 like if Paul George demands that as a condition for him to to, to sign. Sure, like they they will do it. Oh, but otherwise, yeah. otherwise it's like twenty million is a huge number, and so I don't really know. I mean, I I, I still think that some trade is out there, uh, but the the price would be steeper uh, probably than what than what I think now. Mm-hmm. My question is: Is the is it more costly for the Thunder to play tw- to pay twenty million for him to go, or for them to pay twenty eight million for him to stay? Again, uh, it it depends on on who's staying. Uh, I don't think that uh, if if Paul George leaves, then it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. Um, well, if if Russ say. I'm done playing with him, uh, which I seriously doubt. Uh, then, then it's another story. But mm-hmm. if Paul George leaves, then I don't think there's a way uh, for OKC to like to allow him to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because, like, like if you know how the caps work, uh, the cap works, then you know that by middle of the season you have just a portion of those 28. And so discussing uh, a trade or a buyout then. It's much easier because you have like just half of the salary 
it's just like 14 millions or whatsoever. So uh, who knows? Um, I still think, uh, as we as we discussed, like in the uh, probably first episode after um, Game Six, that Melo has kind of a role, um, even if it starts, but he has to be that role, like being the bench scorer. Uh, even if it starts right and then he doesn't have to uh to cause drama if he doesn't close because that is the, that is the deal if he if he says okay i just want to start like perk did um but you can close with like the best lineup and i'll i'll keep the, my mouth shut and i'll play iso ball with the second unit then i think it's it, it can be done uh, yeah. But coming playoffs time, you need to real, realize that the role is not there mm-hmm. for him to play big minutes. That is, if, he's a, if, he, if he agrees, then sure, he can stay, even with Paul George. But I don't think uh, that will be the case. Yeah, it doesn't seem likely at this point. No. Um, a couple Paul George breadcrumbs to uh, drop for Thunder fans uh, that may or may not be meaningless. Uh, first one on Paul George's girlfriend's Instagram, <laughs> on her Instagram story, she was at uh, Noah Westbrook, Russell Westbrook's son's birthday party with Paul George, and they were singing happy birthday, and it was so pleasant, and it just means that he and Russell are like real friends, and it doesn't necessarily mean he's coming back to OKC, but it does mean that they're close, and so it's something, not nothing, but I don't know how much of a something it is. Um, He's tried to convince him to go to the Lakers, of course, <laughs> with him. That's, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, with. <laughs> so he'll be demanding a trade, and uh, it was. We we know that it happened here. Steve Kyler tweeted. If you guys missed this, it didn't get. We got retweeted only thirty five times, and it's kind of. I mean, it's again like everything with Paul George is like it's not nothing. But it's not really doesn't define anything. But it's uh, so Steve Kyler got a tweet from a guy named Desmond One Battle on Twitter, and he asked, "Any Paul George updates? Is he leaning back to OKC?" And Steve tweeted back, quote tweeted this guy, "No idea, but I saw Paul George's agent with Sam Presti and Rob Hennigan, and they were in a pretty heavy discussion. So we'll see." Again, what were they discussing? I don't know. Are they discussing him coming back to OKC and what that would look like? Maybe. Are they discussing, hey, listen, we need to figure out how to get him to wherever LeBron goes, or we've heard LeBron James is going to stay in Cleveland. What are some things you guys are open to? Or we want him to go to Philly, and they want to do a, you know, they want Paul to opt in and to be traded there. Or, you know, it could be a host of things that they could be discussing. So, you can't like just say like oh they're discussing clearly him coming back which it could be the case but it could also mm-hmm. be something else so you know you can't you have to take that with like a massive grain of salt when it comes to like discussions of him being back in OKC but um, there's just these these little Paul George breadcrumbs dropped all over the internet you know and it's still May twenty first <laughs> it's still May so we've got we've got a while to go. Um, but it feels yeah, like every then, couple of days we get something. Yeah. And well, um, probably I assume I don't have Intel on that, but I assume that was, uh, that meeting took place at the combine. 
because likely like Presti was there. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm pretty sure he was there. Uh, there were other reports of him meeting with with, uh, with Prospect or at least like OKC front office guys yeah. uh, meeting with Prospect and blah, 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 uh, which is interesting, by the way. Um, and, and so it's natural that Presti or uh, Paul George's agent uh, wanted to meet um, because like everyone is there and basically as Voj um like describe it in his last part, like it is an open conversation. You have tables where agents and and like uh, GMs are are there, and you basically have offers and you you have counter offers and blah blah. So it's um, it's one of these events where everyone talks with basically everyone. If he, if so, it you don't have to read uh, anything um, except for the fact that they are talking. Which is, which is a good thing. Um, like some agents just shut down conversations uh, because like the their protege doesn't want to to talk with with, with the team. So mm-hmm. it's it's surely something. Um, but like the direction of the discussion, uh, like is he staying? Is he leaving? He wants to to be uh, trade. That that is that is like impossible to right. uh, to report. Like like. Straight up, you, you cannot read anything uh, relating to um, him staying for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know the Thunder and Sam Presti being at the combine, like those guys always do their homework. You know, like they always are looking into these high-level prospects, even if they don't have a pick. Um, but what are your thoughts on on them? You know, being present at the combine. Well, you know. Uh, there is, there is a decent possibility that OKC tries uh, to, well, not decent possibility. There, there is a non-zero, uh, say, a possibility uh, that OKC tries to to sneak into the draft. Um, they interviewed player uh, in the top ten, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of puzzling, um, and you can link that to the Cleveland pick, for example. Sure, but even then, I mean. You do interviews, as you probably said during uh, Frypod, or someone else said in uh, in the last uh, few podcasts that I listened to, that you talk with a prospect uh, at the combine because you can, and then maybe two, three years down the line, uh, you have informations, uh, and then you make decision like Oladipo, uh, the Oladipo trade. I mean, Sam Presti probably talked with Oladipo. Uh, mm-hmm. In the 2013 draft or 12 draft, I don't remember. Um, probably 13, and then he he basically had more information when he had that trade on the table, and and so you can read uh, on that these two these two possibilities, like more information on prospect that you like, and or real opportunities to 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 trade up, uh, well, to get into the draft and. And draft someone uh, this yeah. season. So I don't really know. I mean, I, I don't think Stephen Adams buy you a top five pick. I, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, late lot like a lottery pick probably, but mm-hmm. then I don't see like why you you, you go and, and do that. So either it's something with the Cleveland pick or uh, in the like the case where everyone wants to leave and then you you have to uh, to deal with that. But again. I it's really too much to read into Presti talking with 
two prospects. Yeah, and if if Paul's coming back, I, I feel like they would give like almost zero consideration to trading Stephen Adams. I think if Paul leaves, then I think that you have to start searching for other directions to go. Because I feel like Stephen Adams, he's incredible. He's a very good player. But I feel like he's a really great player in the context of a team that's competing for something mm-hmm. and that has multiple yeah. pieces. I'm not... And maybe he could be. Maybe he can change. But I'm just not sold on him being like the second guy um, on a team. I feel like he's he may be your second best player. But as far as like mm-hmm. scoring and offensive load and stuff like that, like I feel like he's clearly like a, you know, at best third guy. Yeah, uh, I that like that goes uh, high into the like you have to have a very specific team if you want Steven Adams to be your second best scorer and and you need like like three other real offensive players. Yeah. Um, like if you say you have like Grant, Abrinas and Paul George, well, if you have Paul George, like then, then it's done. So I don't know, like if you have Steven Adams as your second option, like either the first one is a uh, bear Russell Rosbrook, then you may have Steven Adams as your second, uh, in points per game, <laughs> right. but that, but that doesn't buy you like uh, a title team. Like, yeah, that is that is if if that is what you meant, then yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I and if they did trade him for a lottery pick, then you're waiting on the development of a guy. I mean, it's just a it's a tricky, it's tricky. You know, I've I you're not getting the number one pick for Stephen Adams and no. Ferguson and change like you're like no, you're, that, you're someone not. tweeted like, like someone tweeted. It does uh, mm-hmm. that trade. So no, yeah, of course. Like if Phoenix says, uh, "Do you want the first run, the first pick for uh, Stephen Adams and Ferguson?" You have to consider it. Like, like you probably <laughs> accept it. Yeah. You probably go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if that happened, I think like the GM of Phoenix and everyone who works in the front office should be fired, like on the spot. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, they're looking for a franchise-changing guy. And while Stephen yeah. Adams is really good, he's not a, he's not a franchise-changer, you know? No. No. He's, a, he's a guy that's good for your culture. He's a, good, a great defender, and it has an up-and-coming offensive game. But, like, he's not a go-to guy in any capacity. So, um, you know, it would be really foolish for Phoenix. Like, really, the only interesting trade... For Phoenix for the number one pick is Carl Anthony Towns for the number one pick. And you know, that's been floated out there and I don't I don't know how real that is. I don't know how real the Carl Anthony Towns trade block is. It was just like mentioned on the low post and then it was like aggregated yeah. like crazy. Um but it is the, a messy situation though. I mean seems like it. Yeah, I mean the fact that the fact that you 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 fired the guy like uh, he is quote unquote assistant coach. Uh, it's like if the Thunder uh, when when Russ uh, was in the mix of signing the extension just fired Cheek for just because he he had like an ascendant uh, like he, because he was like the main 
assistant coach to, for us. Like, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. You don't do um, this thing, at least with the information that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's there can always be something that it's not reported and and we don't know. And sure. maybe like two or three years down the line, we know that this made like a huge mess in other uh, part of the uh, of the company and so of the team and so and so then you you realize that that was just narrative. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's weird. Yeah, it is weird because that team should be coming back together and just saying we've we've grown, we've become a better defensive team. We you know missed Jimmy Butler for a large stretch of the season and. We're going to come back, uh, you know, more cohesive, but like it seems like something might happen this summer with the core of that team. And, you know, I think that they would consider trading Andrew Wiggins and I don't know if they'd consider trading Towns. I mean, it's just it's a it's just an odd situation overall, but we'll see. Yeah. It, it I, I feel like still the most likely scenario is that like nothing happens with them and they just move into the season. But um there is some volatility there for them too, where they feel like they need to go and may need to go in a certain direction. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, before we get into our draft prospects, I want to tell you about Andy's frozen custard. You've got to go check out Andy's. They have locations, uh, a few in Oklahoma uh, around the Metro area. They have uh, several in Texas, uh, a ton in Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, Colorado, Arizona, You've got to go check out Andy's. It is fresh frozen custard. Hour by hour, it's made. It's so good. It's so fresh. Right now, you can get uh, two of their specials. They have the strawberry shortcake sundae and their blueberry concrete. Uh, it's it's hot here in Oklahoma and in Texas, and you need something refreshing. And you can go to Andy's frozen custard and get that sweet treat. It is so delicious. Uh, it's easily the best frozen custard I've ever had in my whole life. And that's not hyperbole. It's the truth. So you got to go check out Andy's, support the people that support Down to Dunk, and eat at Andy's frozen custard. Uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite draft prospect, maybe that we've ever covered, and Luka Doncic. Yeah, I mean, last weekend I basically dedicated my all spare the spare time that I had in watching the EuroLeague Final Four, um, which is a very, very, very good event. And I don't know how many people actually um, watched it uh, from the U.S., but I think that EuroLeague is somehow underrated. Uh, in terms of quality basketball, especially in the final phase. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, the final was amazing. Like, it was a very, very good basketball game. A low score, yes, because in Europe you don't score 100 points, uh, because, A, the floor is shrunk because of, like, technical stuff, like the FIBA line, it's different, and so there's less space, there's less talent. Um, But the quality of basketball was incredible. And Doncic was not the best player on the court uh, because he had like foul troubles for basically the full game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it still was so, so important for Real Madrid. It was like the second best scorer. Uh, He handled basically the 80% of the possession while he was on the court. Uh, He is a pick and roll wizard. He's really a pick and roll wizard. He can find angles. Um, 
like for himself, like body-wise, he can attack uh, even quicker and bigger defenders, um, even if he's not like the greatest athlete, and he can find like passing angles like no one I saw recently. Um, and so, and the fact is that, is, is that he's born in 1999. Right. I think there is any, any relation between the NCAA Final Four and the EuroLeague Final Four in terms of quality of basketball and toughness, then you really have to reconsider. Because like EuroLeague has players that know how to play, that beats you under the, the glasses. It's sturdier, it's more physical, it's, it's really huge for a guy that is 19 to be the leader, the clear leader of a team that won the, uh, the EuroLeague. And so if yeah. you think, like, I, I know that I get, like, overexcited about him, but how can you not be? Like, winning the EuroLeague is a big, big stuff. And so doing it as a leader, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how, what this kid did in the last eight months. Yeah, well, and he's leading a team that has Sergio Yule on it, who, mm-hmm. I think, I think the, did the Rockets still have his... Yes. Right. Yes. Um, incredible. Not sure, it will come uh, after the uh, knee injury. The right. athleticism is not quite there. Yeah, he tore his ACL. Um, <laughs> played really well, from what I read. Um, yeah, yeah, it was okay. Uh, and Rudy Fernandez is on that team. Many NBA fans remember him. Um, Jeffrey Taylor's on that team who played in the NBA. Anthony Randolph, who was a lottery pick, is on that team. Gustavo Ione is on that team. Walter Tavares. Like, there's guys that have played, a ton of guys that have played in the league on that team. And, you know, Doncic is, is their leader. And he's been playing professionally since he was 16 mm-hmm. and has been playing against grown men, like guys that have a ton of experience playing basketball. Um, in the U S and overseas. And, um, he's just been very good and he's maybe the most experienced prospect, you know, coming out of the draft just because of that fact. Yeah. And like offensively and you can criticize him, um, like under many points of view, for example, he's not the best off ball guy. He really likes to have the ball in his hands. And when he doesn't, he's a little bit, um, say, Still, like Russ, he doesn't cut, uh, he doesn't move very well, even if he has a very, very good spot-up shooting uh, mechanism and rhythm. Um, he's not he's not like very athletic, but like this should not sound as like he, he, he doesn't move. Like he, he, he jumps, he can dunk, he, he, he blocks shots. Like yesterday in the finals, um, critical possession, uh, one-on-one against the smaller guard. He blocked uh, that guard at the rim. So he's not that like um, um, poor in terms of athleticism, but he's not like Gerald Green. And so you have to notice that. Yeah. But on the defensive side, even if, again, he's not the most athletic guy, he knows where to be. He rarely makes mistakes. He doesn't lose sight of his man because he wants rebounds. He just grabs rebounds because he's 6'8". Uh, and so he can. And so, I mean... You can over um, scrutinize this guy and find uh, way, like find ways to say, well, Aiden is uh, a great uh, buddy. But then, if you look at the way they play basketball, we are in two different universes. 
Like yeah. one is a semi-god that plays pick and roll, like an experienced 40 years old that played like for his entire career. The other one doesn't know where to be on the court offensively. So there was a huge, huge gap between Doncic and basically every other prospect in this class in terms of understanding and um, effectiveness and production of basketball court. Yeah, and you just think that if Doncic can go to a good situation, I think like Phoenix is like a decent situation for him. And if he can have spacing on the court, like you just have to wonder what he can do with that. And it's not like he has the best pick and roll partners on, you know, on Phoenix, but you know, even just having, you know, shooting on the wing and the space floor of the NBA, you just have to wonder what he'll do. Um, I, I have a question. What position do you think he plays in the NBA? Um, I don't, I don't think a position applies to him. Uh, well, I guess like, I, I, yeah. I, let me rephrase then. Yeah. Is is he the primary ball handler? Right, uh, right. In the first year, probably depends where he goes. If it, if it is Phoenix, then I think he will handle uh, the ball most possession than not. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is uh, for some reason like uh, a team like Memphis or Dallas or yeah Memphis or Dallas um, grab him. Um, because like the two uh, team I had, the three teams I had um, draft centers, then in both situations, I think he will not be uh, the main ball handler. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that can, I think if he plays like with Carlisle as a secondary ball handler, I think that will be great for him mm-hmm. because he will understand uh, how to maximize a part of, of his game, which is not, uh, top right now um, and you sorry I, I was thinking about your comment on the spacing like if you look at the roster of Real Madrid when they play the starting unit with uh, Felipe Reyes and Gustavo Ayon which are two centers that have probably 10 feet of range right and he can still find shooter and be effective in pick and roll situations mm-hmm. which is like crazy you you give him like four shooters and this guy is a, like he will un- unleash like great, great NBA offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just a brilliant passer. Yeah, and I just think that that it's just so important. I don't know. I I I just question the people that think that he can't be successful at the NBA level. Like I just don't. I don't know. Like as Thunder fans, like we just saw like what Utah did to us and like they don't like a lot of those guys don't have crazy athleticism like they're just smart passers and uh good shooters you know and like he's that like he's like super that you know he's like an incredible passer and he's a he's a he's a good shooter he can shoot off the dribble he can shoot spot up um he did only shoot um 31% from 3 um, in the Euroleague this year. What are your thoughts on that, on that percentage? He, like, Euroleague shooting, um, again, comes with less space than the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, most time than not. And he loves to take um, trees off the dribble. Mm-hmm. And that is hard. And I will not lie, I'm one of the, the part of his game that uh, keeps me 
uh, tight on this um, decision to, to, to like him more than Aiton is the fact that he's not a knockdown shooter. Uh, like, he's not Joe Ingles from day one in terms of uh, shooting. He's the best shooter of the world, as yeah. everyone knows. Um, but his mechanic is pretty solid. And so I, I, if I have to bet now that he's a 34-plus percent shooter for his entire career, I would say yes in a heartbeat. Mm. 38, I don't really know. That yeah. will – but, like, other players um, – like he he he's a good free throw shooter and he's a good decision maker and with more space I don't doubt that the three point percentage will rise. I don't see any um, mechanical limitations and or mental limitation. It's just that he he had like no no spacing in terms of uh, his teammates. Even like he has J C Carroll, which is a former uh, BYU guy, um, great spot up shooter. But he's a guard. Like, he doesn't have real spacers um, playing with him. And so that that can be one reason to explain the 31%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if he can get Bender out there who can be a spacing big man, you have Devin Booker, and they can put you know a little bit more shooting out there with those guys, like he'll have all the space in the world to do the stuff that he wants to do. Um, yeah. And, you know, Phoenix doesn't really have a point guard um, of the future on their on their roster. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he would be really interesting in that mold next to Booker. And, you know, Booker is not really a primary ball handler, but he can be a secondary guy and a secondary playmaker. And so I, I it, to me, it just seems like such a good fit. Um, yeah, and I get a, I get Aiden there too. Like it's not like I think that it would be idiotic for them to take him. Um, but you just kind of look at the way that the game is played right now, and if you think that Aiden is a guy that can change the way that the game is played, where like teams have to game plan differently, and he can be a game changing big man, then I think you have to take him. Yeah, but if you think that he is just going to be like a really good top five big in the NBA, like I just feel like you have to take Doncic and you have to just, you know, play fast, shoot tons of threes, play pace and space with the guys you have. Um, and just see if you can develop Bender a little bit more and play Bender at, you know, as your stretch five and see mm. if you can find a defensive four and you just go from there. I mean, I just, I just think that that just makes a ton of sense to me yeah uh same same here and yeah we agree on that and i i'm struggling to find people who doesn't agree um sam vicini has a slightly different take yeah. which is i love Doncic, but i think that Aiton can be that guy and so he's like smarter than us probably in terms mm-hmm. of, surely than me uh in terms of uh draft coverage and so but but he's uh still a guy that says one a and one a a like right. uh it's it's not like i'm taking uh someone else uh before uh Doncic. like if it's not one then it's two but it's never three and mm-hmm. so <clears throat> and with aiden i mean these guys can develop and yeah if if he's a worker which which sounds right which sounds like a thing then he can he can be dominant down there uh, like yeah. and so and phoenix doesn't have a real screener um like 
you need you still need good screens in modern NBA. And, sure. and there's very few six ten, six eight like Draymond Green uh, that can set amazing screens while being six eight. Um, you, you realize watching the Thunder and the Rockets the value of a good screener, and so like Phoenix doesn't have one, and Doncic needs one, mm-hmm. and so that is that is the only part of the fit that I don't like, and and it's a part of the Aiton uh, drafting which can be alluring, even if like his screen timing and 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 form right now is not is not a high level, uh, but he can surely learn how to set good screens. And so um, that that is part uh, of the discussion here. Yeah, and like the Josh Jackson, Doncic, and Devin Booker pairing, like that would just be amazing. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they can like Josh Jackson is a pretty decent passer. Um, yes, and he's the guy that goes and defends the the best guy on the perimeter, and mm-hmm. that you know Doncic and Booker don't have to worry about that. Um, they just get to play amazing and he and you know jackson's the guy that just plays with reckless abandon on on the break and he played really well down the stretch too yeah um and so like he he's nothing to um to overlook josh jackson for them but i just feel like that that threesome is would just be so so good um but then yeah their bigs are giant question marks like marquise chris is just a massive question mark and may just be a bench role playing energy big. Um, yeah. A bender. We, we saw Bender kill the Thunder earlier this season, but, you know, he probably had like two points the next game. Uh, yeah. Like he's just and, and incredibly inconsistent. Huge, yeah. There is, there's a huge, the hustle sold separately alert on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Um, you know, maybe they get Alan Williams back. Um, and he's a, like he he could be a guy that could be a, a decent screen setter and a guy that could run a pick and roll, um, yeah. but they still have some some issues there at the big spots, and that's why you know Aiden is attractive there because you could easily just you could easily say like we like what we'd like to give Alfred Payton another look, and we want to have. He so did. Now he will be phenomenal, like reverse sensor, probably. That's that's exactly right. This this dude can actually see what's happening on the basketball court now, and he can he'll be an All NBA point guard next year. Um, but you can see the logic, and you know we're gonna start Alfred Payton. We're gonna have Devin Booker and Josh Jackson there, and then we can put you know Bender or even start Jared Dudley next to Aiden and just see what happens from there like it like they both you can you can talk yourself into either one um but as i said on friday i think it really depends on what the phoenix ownership group wants to do and you know they were apparently at the euro league final um and you know it's just it i think it all depends on that which is maybe not it's, it's probably a little bit scary if you're the if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, but that's just kind of the way it is. Um, anything else on Doncic? No, I mean, I, well, yes, I can go ahead like all day, but right. I, I think we cover uh, enough of the of the main uh, uh, talking point uh, on Doncic. Mm-hmm. You got a phone there? You need to get? No, sorry, it's, no, it's, it's okay. Not, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I, I cannot. I cannot answer nor uh, uh, destroy the phone. So right. Keep, 
That's okay. Sorry. No problem. Uh, let's talk about Mo Bamba. Uh, center out of Texas. He The measurements came out the other day at the draft combine. And uh, tell us what his wingspan was, McKelly. It was um, seven um, seven ten, I guess. <laughs> like I had to, I had to read twice uh, because yeah. it's like it sounds wrong. Then I had to do the translation in um, a metric system, and then I had to look again because it doesn't seem real. Right. Uh, the guy is a pterodactyl, something like that. Uh, he's just, he's just like some a freak of nature. Uh, mm-hmm. No, like it's it's the record in uh, in wingspan. Um, since the NBA collects data, so it's he, he's he's incredible. He's one of a kind in terms of length. Yeah, I mean, like just to compare, like he's got a longer wingspan than Rudy Gobert, and yeah. the Thunder have seen what that wingspan can do, and Bamba is longer than that, uh, which is just crazy to think about. Because that's, I mean, people throw around comps for these guys and. You know, the Draft Express guys, you know, toward the end of their tenure as Draft Express, they stopped doing comps because, like, mm-hmm. they just get you in trouble. <laughs> like, they just make you look, yeah. they just make you look stupid. And, like, a Rudy Gobert compared to Mobamba, like, that down the road could make you look real, real dumb um, just because of how successful Gobert has been. Um, but the wingspan is there. And it's crazy. And when you watch him, like you, like you can just see it. Like he is just a monster um, out there with these college big guys. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of cons- there's some concerns with him. Uh, I watched a ton of him this morning, and you know, I feel like he's a like he's a pretty smart defender. I feel like he is rarely lost, but I feel like mm-hmm. the yes the motor i just don't see a lot of the motor there like he rarely looks like he's giving 100 percent uh but like on the flip side of that like he always seems like he's in control of what he's doing um but the Mm -hmm. i don't know the motor seems to be a little bit of an issue i don't know if you agree with that yeah sure um like these kind of um physical profile um guy that that has this the similar uh, physical profile um the low motor is something that that is there at a young age because I, I imagine like Bamba was still growing last year. Um, mm-hmm. And like you you kind of try to build muscle uh, muscles like ahead, like like not, not in advance because like like later, not not in advance, because you risk to destroy uh, and to like to do bad stuff with the body. Yeah. And so even Rudy Gobert, uh, when he was drafted, was so skinny and had like motor issues. Yep. Uh, but then like you build up muscles, you, you work, um, with NBA guys, which are arguably the best in terms of basketball, um, in preparing physics, like bodies for basketball. And so that doesn't bother me as much. Uh, like if a guard has that motor, I will be like, very very uh scared about that mm-hmm. with bamba is just the physical profile that yeah. doesn't mean like we saw tabit tabit had huge motor issues and he still had 
after a few seasons of the of, of NBA. Yeah. And again, I'm not making any comparison between Tabit and, and, and Bamba. Um, yeah, because Bamba can move. Yeah, Bamba can move. Uh, defensively, yeah. another thing that I looked into and then I remained myself about the, the, the body type is post defense. Like small guys, but like heavy guys can move him quite easily. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he has not the greatest uh, post defense. But it's again, it's natural for that kind of type. Same thing with the screen technique. He tends to, to set uh, screens with good timing but they are not as effective. Again, it can be him not putting the body, but it can also be the fact that he doesn't have a body to put there yet. Mm-hmm. And and so it's a risk because of all these uh, question marks that are real question marks that can solve in one direction or the other because it's likely that Bamba, wor- like Bamba will, will increase weight. And if that is a positive process, like Embiid, like Gobert, then we are talking about a monster. If that doesn't, if his body doesn't respond well, and no one know it, knows if it will, then these are real red flags. Yeah, I mean, he is—he's probably the boom or bust guy of this draft. Like, yeah. you know, Dallas could get him at five, which seems like a likely spot because, like, I still and a good fit. Yeah. Oh, it's a great fit, and I still like. I like Jaron Jackson more than him. Mm-hmm. Like, I would probably take Bagley before him too, just because I feel like Bagley is still more of a sure thing. Um, but I could easily see Bamba being better than both of them. Um, yeah. If he is able to get, add that strength because I mean, I saw so many unathletic white guys scoring on him this morning uh, from the mm-hmm. big 12 and they, they just killed him. I mean, over and yes. over and over again. It wasn't just one guy. It was all the, it was it was all the big white centers that were just in yes. there, just killing him. And it's a little scary, but you know, early on in Gobert's career, guys could go straight into his chest and score on him. You know, yeah. like Stephen Adams yeah. early on just destroyed Gobert, and Gobert mm-hmm. got stronger and smarter, and you know, he's he's a better post defender now, and his you know his slightness isn't you know a detriment to him anymore um but you know there's been a lot of big guys that haven't been able to do that you know gobert may be the exception to the rule here yes and to say that you know bamba is assuredly on the same track as gobert is probably um not fair for for bamba no no uh we have to consider that the first nba season of gobert was at age 21 um yeah that's true it's, it's, it's again different, very different. They're about a, like the, be a year and change apart from that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and the first season of Gobert was a, was a bad one, like sort of, a, not a disaster because there's, like, there's no disaster season on year one, right. uh, especially for a uh, 26th uh, pick. Um, but the summer after the first season was the real difference. I remember him playing in the European uh, Championship and France matched up uh, against Spain in, I, I think it was the semifinals. And it was the, but basically all night, it was Pau Gasol against Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. And, and Rudy killed him defensively. Like Pau Gasol was not able to score uh, on him. 
and he had more strength. He added uh, a few pounds. He was more stable. He had more balance in his core. And if Bamba does something like that, then then we are talking about a real umbrella uh, under the basket. Mm -hmm. And there's no way uh, to score if he adds strength. Well, there's a way to score, but it's, 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 and he shoots three. Uh, right. He shoots from three, uh, which is something that is not percentage-wise a good number as of yet. But for some reason, the way he takes those shots makes me comfortable on him being able to develop a reliable three-point shot mm-hmm. in pick and pop situations. And that is a huge, huge part of uh, of the deal because Gobert cannot shoot. Right. And if you get like an elite rim protector that has the ability to, to stretch the floor. So you don't have to put uh, other spacers. You can afford to have a non-shooting point guard, for example. Then it makes Bamba really, really intriguing. But again, the fall could be as high as the ceiling. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like a lot of things about him. I thought like defensively, he's got good hands. I almost, mm-hmm. liked, yeah. the, I almost liked him defending guards than I, more than I did big guys in the post because he can get he out there. Slide. He has feet. Yeah, he's got great feet, and he's got good hands too. There were a few times where a guard would try to blow past him, and Bamba would pick his pocket. And mm-hmm. like he's he's got good hands. He's got obviously he's got good size, and he is good at positioning. Um, but yeah, he's got that strength, and the weight is is a concern. And it's to me, it's. I mean, it's it'll be the reason why why or why he doesn't make the NBA and make it as a starting big man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, like recent updates from Jonathan Givoni, which uh, I I kind of trust in terms of um, judgment. Yeah, and like some of his some of his tweets, like all these guys are just uh, agent stuff. Like mm-hmm. he. You, you want to like these this is a general rule about uh, everyone who ha- who makes business in discussing the draft and it's not like something that i uh, judge it's something that is real he you know you know agents you know players you know tons of guys and so you, you tend to sometimes to to say favorable things that are real but are just favorable and so he said about bamba that he showed up in his gym in chicago because he has like this uh, parallel gym where players can uh, gather before the combine and mm-hmm. play there for a few days and he gets to see them and Bamba apparently was in amazing shape he was already uh, bigger his shooting form I saw a video looked more compact than the one he had at Texas mm-hmm. and he, he like if you think that those things are quite real then you can make a case uh, for him to be to be drafted in the top five and maybe top three. Uh, if mm-hmm. like if he if the shot is real, then Bam Bam is a completely different prospect. Yeah, Atlanta have to, would have to consider him if yeah. they, if they yeah. see those improvements there. I, and I feel like his offensive game, if he can be paired with a a good point guard, mm-hmm. I just feel like his offensive game will be so much better in the NBA because they they tried to post him up so many times yeah and it was so ugly i mean that offense at texas was so incredibly ugly but if he can be a rim running center that can pop out to three at times like that's the role 
and like you can yeah. see it but mm-hmm. on a non-spaced floor in college where he can't sc- like he can't score on these dudes in college in the post mm-hmm. and i don't understand why that was like the go-to thing for him i mean over because and over he's a and long over guy and we post him up right it was so <laughs> i mean it was i mean it was like it was hard work just to watch it <laughs> Just like, man, like they're posting him up again. They're gonna they're gonna keep going to bomb on the post, and he doesn't have the strength to you know finish over these guys or have like the feel to finish over these guys in the post. It's like, what is like, what are they doing? Like, it's just, I mean, you watch just you know ten clips of it, and you're like, oh, I know exactly why Texas didn't have that much success this year, is because yeah. like they they keep doing that. But in in an NBA game. Or you can spread the floor, and you can and you don't have guys like just parking themselves in the paint um, on him. I think that he could be a great pick and roll partner. Like he's got good hands, he can finish well um, dunking the ball at the basket, and he's got like he can shoot it. His you're right, his percentages were were not good. He shot 27 percent from three. Um, let me see how many attempts. He had 51 attempts. He was 14 of 51. Um, And so he didn't take a ton, but he took enough to where it's like, okay, like this is, this is clearly a part of his game. And if he can, if he can hit 33%, um, -hmm. then you're talking about like a, a really dangerous, you know, role playing big man. Like, I don't know if I don't, I don't see him as a number one option, but if no. you can have a if you have a scoring point guard like Dennis Smith, like if you could, I just feel like Dallas is such a good fit. So if you yeah. can play with Dennis Smith and Dennis Smith can develop and be better than he was last season, which I think that he will, uh, it could be just a perfect combination of those so two. Athletic, so athletic. Oh, like this, this will be one of the most like if Bamba improves his athleticism in terms of like um, again we discussed that uh, then. Pairing him with Dennis Smith would be gorgeous. Oh, and yeah. and you're right, like uh, about the rim running stuff, because Texas doesn't have spacing. Like oh. he's in in some possession, he provided the spacing. So right. we're talking about like a very cramped offense. And so um, if he has more space, like in a spread pick and roll system, um, that is dangerous. And again, um, I discussed this with Lorenzo uh, this morning, Lorenzo Neri, mm-hmm. and he was telling me, yes, I know, I know that he's kind of uh, ugly to watch, but don't discount the Texas effect, which is uh, Jared Allen had similar issues. Like yeah. he was not a very uh, high level offensive prospect because there was no space on the court. None. And turns out that he's more than decent uh, and he could be a starting center soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the most productive one, but still, um, there is a Texas factor, like close to the Duke factor in terms of uh, offensive uh, selections uh, that we discuss um, while we are covering while we are covering Tatum. Yeah, and they always played another big next to him, like a, yeah. another in the paint. I can't step out. I'm here in the paint with you, Bamba, yeah. big, and it was yeah. killer. It just absolutely like they had no offense basically. I mean they exactly. would they would stop and they would wait until Bamba got position and they dump it down to him and Bamba would you know inevitably have two hands in his face when he's trying to shoot these like turnaround little jumpers or mm-hmm. trying to go to the basket when he's got 
you know, three or four arms up there. He's trying to mm-hmm. finish over. I mean, it was it was really ugly, but I did kind of walk away from that thinking, you know, that's that won't happen in the NBA. Like, first yeah, of all, like these coaches are not going to say, oh, we got to get we got to get Bamba in the post. <laughs> like that's just not going to happen. It's just not like sh- they're not going to be Shaka smart and do that over and over again. They're not. And so well, maybe Mark Jackson will get another gig. And <laughs> maybe? He used to he used to post like David uh, Clay Lee. Thompson. Yeah. Also Clay Thompson. He was posting up Clay oh Thompson my and, gosh. and Harrison Barnes. Oh my gosh. It's infuriating. Well, anyway. um, but yeah, if he can play just the pick and roll, pick and pop game, like he'll be, like I can, like you can see it already. Like you can see he has that there. Um, he just has to. I mean, landing spot mat- will matter a lot for him. Uh, you know, even if the Hawks keep Dennis Schroeder, who I'm not a huge fan of, but it's still like that's still something. Um, and who knows if Schroeder is even in Atlanta for next season? I, you know, there's rumors out there that he could be dealt, but. Um, I still I love the Dallas fit for him. You have yes. Co- Carlisle, who's a great coach. You've got spacing already there. Like you've got like smart, you know, Wes Matthews and Harrison Barnes out there um, who could be the four. And you have Dennis Smith, and like you've got like that's that's an offense. And you can, you know, obviously Dirk is basically just a backup center now, but you can even throw Dirk out there to space the floor some too. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just a really interesting fit to me. I, I don't love the Atlanta fit. I really don't love the Atlanta fit for anybody just because, like, nobody, nobody really even knows what Atlanta is right now. Um, they're just a, a tank. They just want to tank, and they're going to be bad again next year. Um, and then, like, yeah. Memphis, I mean, he could develop behind Marc Gasol. I, I mean, can't really see mm-hmm. those guys playing. I guess you could play them next to each other, but... Um, yeah, not, not, not I don't, consistently. Yeah, I don't love that. Uh, I don't love that fit. I lo- I like Jaron Jackson there because I think you can play Jaron Jackson next to next to Mark a little bit better. Um, I, I'm not sure how much Mark will play um, in a Memphis jersey next season. Interesting. I, I, have, I don't know. I mean, it's like loyalty is a very very um, good stuff, uh, but also an over. Uh, overrated stuff i think mm-hmm. that memphis has to start over i mean that that core to me is like it's you, like probably they will hold to it until the trade deadline when one of the i hope that no one um is uh is, has, has to to deal with injury again but it is not like right. it, um at this point and mm-hmm. so like it's the third season um, well, second season with this uh, precise score uh, with Chandler Parsons, uh, and if if it doesn't go anywhere, are you really not considered to get anything for Marcus All? Right. Like with Conley injury, you you basically like in that contract, you are not getting anything. Marcus All maybe like ask ask San Antonio. I mean, play the two Gasols. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Do something, but I, I am not sure. Well, I'm not sure uh, about men. I know that they cannot rebuild, but in the same way, like who's gonna watch this? Yeah, what choice? Like what choice? They don't have many choices no. from here. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, you know, Bamba's risky. I, I think mm-hmm. is what kind of my conclusion with him. Um, but he has like the skill set to be a very good modern big guy, like Clint Capella plus, you know, like I think that he could be that and it's going to take some time. It's going to take patience and it's going to take time, but it could pay massive dividends. And like you have a Clint Capella with a jump shot, a Clint Capella with a corner three. And it's like, Whoa, like, can you, can you imagine you know, Houston, Houston with that spacing. Yeah, yeah, Houston, if he could do that, I mean, it would be insane. Like, they would be unstoppable. Like, you could play him, you know, 35 minutes a game without even blinking. And so... Yeah. Capella with a, post, with a pop-up, uh, um, um, a pick and pop. Yeah. Like, uh, top of the key pick and pop, like Horford. Oh. Like, they would kill. Imagine Horford <laughs> with Harden. Like, switch Capella and Horford for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a team that can beat that. Right. Uh, because Harden is deadly in pick and roll situation. Imagine if he has like a pick and, pick and pop partner, which he can rely on. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to play the dunker spot. And you can stretch who would like, you can stretch a Rudy Gobert type to the extreme because he, he will not stay under the rim. And if you have like a guy like that, and on the other end, he can provide uh, the ultimate rim protection. That is a, it's not a franchise player, probably. I don't think he has in him, but he's a, hell of a pick uh, no matter what yeah he's and if you if you feel confident that dennis smith is your guy moving forward then Mm -hmm. i think that you can feel even more confident with bamba at that spot i mean i think that if he if he lasts until five like i think so i just don't i don't see anybody else that you would really consider at that spot um over him unless you really like what michael porter does or, or if the guy we are going to discuss now uh, actually gets a look uh, yeah. ahead. Well, let's let's talk about him. Let's talk about Trey Young out of Oklahoma. And our most of our listeners probably know a lot about Trey Young already, and know the kind of player he is. And I'm sure we have. There's a lot of OU uh, overlap with Thunder fans, and so. Uh, we, we already know a lot about Trey and his game. And uh, to me, he's another risky prospect. But uh, mm-hmm. what, are, what are your thoughts on Trey? Do you want to play a game? Uh, I do want to play a game. Okay. This is like, I, I spent the morning um, watching Bamba and Trey Young. And after, I watched like some Trey uh, game live um, because I, li- I, I like this kind of prospect. And I am the worst in evaluating them because I, 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 I'm always <laughs> failing in point guards evaluations. And so I looked up in the synergy database to similar prospects. And, and then I remember that like a lot of people, uh, compared him to Steph. Yeah. And so I went back and pulled off the, um, the report of synergy, um, of Steph Curry uh, coming out of, um, of college and and then in order to be like um even i decided to take another player can you guess who is this is not part of the game like uh, steph is the like the, is the best possible comfort for young yeah and so i had to balance uh samaj 
no, no, no. <laughs> no, you need to you need to have the same profile, like high high volume shooters, uh, yeah, great yeah, yeah. college career. But 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 yeah, Ray, Ha-ha. Ray, uh, no, 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 no. Like uh, the guy is not in the NBA. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's Jimmer. Jimmer for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because, like because that's like the high end, low end there. Exactly. Exactly. And so now I give you uh, a specific uh, statistic, and you have to rank these three players in his la- in their last college uh, year. Oh my. Okay. Or, 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 yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, points per uh, possession. Points per possession. Um, Curry, Jimmer, Trey. No, Jimmer, Trey, Steph. One point five for Jimmer. Point uh, nine. Um, let me see because I don't have it here anymore. Point nine five seven for Trey and point nine three one for Steph. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmer was quite high. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was older, uh, to be sure. Uh, yeah. But still. This was Second, this was yeah. Curry's last year at Davidson. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The 2000. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this can be like very, very uh, terrible podcasting for my part. It's 2000. <laughs> let me let me check back. No, no. Let me. It have to be 08. 07, 08. No, it's 08, 09. So it's it's the last one. Oh, okay. It's always drafted in two thousand nine, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I'm thinking. So, so, okay, yeah, so, so it's the last one. Yes. Um, pick and roll, including passes. So the offense in points per possession. So again, points uh, per possession. While he was uh, the main ball handler, and he either scored for him or passed the ball to score. Okay. Um. Trey Jimmer Curry. Woo! Nailed it. I got that's, it. That's one point. Yes. <laughs> so Trey was again nine uh, five seven, which is the same figure he had in points per shot because wow. like mainly he he was taking shots every time. Right. And he handled six hundred uh, possession in pick and roll. Wow. Which is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, second comes Jimmer at three hundred possessions. At nine four three, so pretty close. Yeah. Curry basically didn't handle pick and rolls in Davidson system. Right. Uh, Sixty four uh, possession for point um, seven eight uh, points per possession, which is like abysmal in terms, like compared to the other ones. Yeah. And it's it's really incredible to think that now Steph is probably the the best pick and roll threat in the in the NBA, and in college he was not that. Yeah, because he, um, I mean, up until that season, he just didn't really even handle in the pick and roll. Like, he was a shooting guard, basically. Exactly. Before that exactly. last season with Davidson. And then, like, the big question is, like, is he even a point guard? And, exactly. And can yeah. he come in and, like, I remember some people thought, like, he might just be, like, a super Eddie House, you know, mm-hmm. who comes in yeah. and can't really do much. But, like, last night, like, it's just crazy that you think that. And then last night you see him just completely cook James Harden out there um, and, yeah. you know, do it, do what he does now. But yeah, he, I remember like the, the, there were tons of question marks about like what position does he even play in the NBA? And he's, yeah. he's too small to be a shooting guard and can he even be a good enough ball handler to, to do what he's supposed to do? And it's just yeah. 
comical now to look at those questions. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so weird. Um, percentages of isolations. That is, I think, very interesting. Hmm. Uh, so it's the percentage of possession that the player um, used in isolations. Okay, percentage used in isolation. Um, yes. Trey, Jim, or Curry? No. Uh, actually, Trey is last at 17%. Really? Trey uses pick and roll um, and oh, then okay. goes one-on-one. Gotcha. Uh, and he get basically just shoot out of it. So you're talking pure pure ISOs. Pure ISO. And Jimmer and Steph, uh, granted, these are old statistics, so maybe there is some variance to that mm-hmm. because I, I found it like strange. But Jimmer is first at 29 and seven is 20 is Steph is 28.5. So pretty close to that. Yeah. Uh, But now, now it goes into the, what they do best, which is shooting. Yeah. Um, Overall jump shot points per possession. Jimmer, Curry, Trey Young. Trey Young, Jimmer for that, Steph Curry. Trey Young is 1.8. Jimmer is 1.05 and Steph is 0.94. So like Trey, in terms of jump shooting, overall jump shooting, guarded and guarding, whatever, is 1.85, 1.085, which is um, three points per hundred possession better than, than, than Jimmer and 14 points per hundred possession better um, than Curry, which is... <laughs> Like something that you don't believe if I if I tell you, uh, but still. Yeah, I still don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, let's do a few more. Um, catch and shoot. Okay. Oh man! Just so you guys know, before we before we started the podcast, Michaela was like, "You probably won't get any of these right." Well, you got one. <laughs> I got one. I got my one. I'm just taking that to the bank. Um, what? Tell me again the stat. Catch and shoot. Oh, catch and shoot. Um, yeah. Trey, Jim, or Curry? Yes, that that is uh, that is correct. Okay, uh, Trey. But 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 here the figures because these are to me like incredible. They're I, I, again I triple check everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey Young comes at one point three nine seven. That is a crazy number. This is a crazy number. Jimmer comes at 1.29 and oh, Steph man. 1.16. To be fair, like Jimmer shoot 115 possession, mm-hmm. Curry 85 and Trey just 58. Yeah, I was going to say um, I wondered how many possessions it was cuz like yes. it didn't ever it didn't seem like he did that very much. No, not very much. But tell me now, it's not like it's the bonus question. What's the points per possession of Trey? when unguarded 21 shots uh one and a half two <laughs> it's two <laughs> like he basically make basket every time wow. like this is this is craziness like even if it's random because 20 shots are a very random figure mm-hmm. like to be able to, to score basically 60 percent of the time it's 66 percent of the time it's Sheesh. it's it's just unbelievable last one um Around the basket, like non post ups score scoring around the basket. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um, Trey, 
Curry, Jimmer. No, this is Steph, Jimmer, and Trey. And this is the okay. only part of the report, offensive report of Trey Young, which to me uh, needs a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Steph goes at 1.23, which is extremely high because he's so, so crafty um, yeah. in layups and techniques over the, uh, around the rim. Jimmer comes at 1.15 and Trey uh, 1.07, which is a fairly low figure mm-hmm. uh, for, um, for a point guard. He balanced that by, by shooting like a, a lot of runners with very, very good touch. Um, but still, the fact that he's not very crafty at the rim and for some reason he wasn't that effective uh, reminds me a bit of um, other guys that struggled, uh, especially early on in their career. Mm-hmm. And there was no question that Trey Young can be literally one of the best shooter um, of all time in the NBA. He he has the making. He he's so natural, so quick. Like and the numbers are amazing. And he had like like far he faced far uh, more um, hard opponents than the other two. Like the WCC in which uh, Jimmer played is not as difficult uh, yeah. as Trey's one. And like Davidson played in, in a mid like it's it's not like a top 10 uh conference uh, and so you can you can factor this in and still have like looking at these shooting numbers is amazing but mm-hmm. the um, uh, the finishing around the basket is a concern yeah yeah i mean but at the same time that shooting is crazy. And I think yeah. he is, I mean, as much as Jimmer was a boomer bust guy, I don't know. I just tend to believe more in Trey cause he's, mm-hmm. he did this at the age that he is. And it took like Jimmer was incredible in his last year in college, mm-hmm. but it took him a minute to become that player. Like Trey young was just, he's just like, he's like, just like instantly. That's the kind of guy that he is. And so I would be really shocked if he was like Jimmer, where he just can't make it in the league because he can't get separation and he's not athletic enough. Like I, I just see Trey Young being able to make it. Um, there's obviously some defensive questions and then the finishing at the rim, but I, he's he clearly works really hard. Yes, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure where he ends up going. I think. I mean, Orlando is where a lot of people have him going at six. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think that you, and I don't know that Atlanta would, but I think that you have to even take a look as high as three with Atlanta. I don't think that... Oh, oh I think there is another team that will take a look in the search of the next Steph Curry. Uh, the Sacramento oh, Kings. Kings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, sure. They'll t- they'll, they, you're right. They love Buddy Heald thinking that he was... <laughs> the next Steph Curry and so maybe they would would look there I mean I mean with the Kings like nothing would shock you at this point um I think that I I would rather have Luca but Trey is he is really intriguing and if he can be I mean if he becomes that kind of guy like there's not much there's not a maybe a more valuable player than a pick and roll point guard that can shoot deep threes off the dribble and mm-hmm. can shoot them with accuracy. I mean, there's yeah. not a much more valuable player in the NBA than that. And, you know, Luca's 
you know, he's not as knocked down, knocked down a shooter as no, Trey no, is. And we are talking about different different universes in terms of shooting. Like yeah. Trey, Trey can really look towards the sideline and then in one motion go up for a shot and 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 and, and make it like from thirty feet easily. Like yeah. that that is that is a different different shooter. Like there's no one. Like not even Curry was that kind of shooter. And like I know that I will regret deeply these uh, words, but um, I will not be like think about the the um, the best players on on the best teams. Like there are plenty of staff like guards, like Kyle Lowry, guy who is six six one maybe. Uh, with a crazy good three-point shot out of pick and roll. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Uh, yes, I know that there are different physical profiles uh, and that Trey will be a black hole on defense uh, for mm-hmm. his probably his first few years, which is like he has nothing there, like close to nothing. Uh, he has shown anything. Um, you, can, you can say that he didn't play any defense because – if he got into foul trouble, there was no way for the Sooners to win. And that is always something to consider. But mm-hmm. his physical profile on that end is tells you that he will give you nothing and that probably better team will exploit him uh, quite quite soon. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, like it is the question that I asked to, the, to this friend of mine this morning. If I have a 70% of what, I, what Curry is on offense, how... Oh. How high would I pick him? Yeah. And I'm not sure I would say outside the top five. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's there's a better chance than that Trey Young ends up being 70% Steph Curry than, than, than the opposite. I'm like, that shot it's, is unbelievable. Like, I, I never see anyone at college level shooting like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's he, he's a really intriguing prospect, and like I said, I don't think that he's going to be Jimmer, where he's just in China in like four years. Uh, I think he'll play in the NBA, and he, you know, I think worst case scenario, he's your sixth man coming off the bench and coming yeah. in and scoring. You know, yeah. and is that really what you want in the top five? You know, no, no it's not. Um, but the upside of what could be there is really intriguing and i think if he's there at six for orlando i think it'd be pretty foolish for them to pass on him yeah um yeah i don't really i think that that should be his floor to me um because and they've got other talent there like they're gonna have aaron gordon there and they've obviously i mean they've had a ton of struggles but if they can get their primary score you know in place at the point guard position you know that that team could improve quickly um mm-hmm. just because that's what they lack like they just don't like dj augustine was having to do that for them in this past year and you know like, yeah that's not really okay <laughs> so and dj augustine is probably the prototype of defender that Trey young will be from day one like oh yeah like if thunder fan remember how bad dj augustine was on defense mm-hmm. like he was he was a zero like he couldn't guard anyone like after a, uh, it was moro like after a screen there was no way that moro was still on his man like he right. was like 
And Trey, I think, like the the reason why I see Trey succeeded is not just the shooting, which is again unprecedented, but the fact that he can make amazing choices in pick and roll settings. And he's a good and passer. So, yeah. 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 His production out of pick and roll is good, mm-hmm. and he didn't have uh, Ryan Anderson or uh, a, like a knockdown shooter. Like imagine Trey Young with a good partner in in pick and rolls and some shoot some shot some shooters on the weak side. Like how that translates? I mm-hmm. think it translates particularly well. Yeah. Yes, he will be an abysmal defender on year one. Guess what? Curry was terrible uh, defending uh, up until like his MPP season where he was decent, not mm-hmm. a great defender as some uh, would say. Like. If if you if you think that uh, Steph is a great defender, then look at all the point guards on the opponent teams that specifically search that precise matchup. Yeah, and and with Trey, it will be that way from day one. Yes, but if you get that shooting on on the other part of the floor, I think that it could it could be the case that you have to make that pick. Hmm. Yeah, he's. He he, like Bamba, is kind of a boom or bust type of guy. Like he could, mm-hmm. he, like you could, it wouldn't surprise me for someone to say in five years, you know, Trey Young is the best player in this draft, mm-hmm. just because of that high level potential and just that to have that role as a guy that can create out of the pick and roll and be a threat to shoot at any time, really. Mm-hmm. And so if he can if he can pull it all together and he doesn't have to be the greatest defender in the world, like there's not that many lead point guards that does what he does and can defend at the point of attack, you know, like that's just not, I mean, that guy is the MVP of the NBA and probably the best player in the world. Like, like if you're asking him to do that, like he's, he'll be, he'd be the best player in the world if he could mm-hmm. defend at the point of attack and shoot like that. Um, the mm-hmm. truth is like Damian Lillard had, he had a better defensive season but he hasn't been a good defender you know russell westbrook yeah. is not a good defense is not been a good defender in his career for the most part steph curry has be- has gotten better but for the most part is not a great defender like he's being targeted over and over again by houston um and you know that's the kind of player that trey young will end up being as a guy that will be targeted on the other end but if he can create like he has been able to at the college level and he even had a really rough second half of the season at Oklahoma. And if he can yes. if he can create like that at the NBA level, um, you're talking about like easily a, a top three guy in this class and, and maybe even the best, just because that you know, shooting is one of the top things that you look for in an NBA player these days. And if if you can shoot like that. Um, and you can shoot off the dribble and you can shoot out of the pick and roll and you can create and kind of be the offense for whatever team you are. Um, it's it's going to be hard to pass him up for a lot of these teams. And I really do feel like his floor is Orlando, even though I've seen like the ringer has had him like drop to nine. Um, mm-hmm. I just have a hard time <clears throat> believing that Orlando would would pass on that with the need. I mean, they just have such a desperate need for a player like that. I don't know. Um, there are there are a few reports that says the team can slide as like as much as eleven, and that I I don't yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah, that's it's this the endless because like 
when you look at a successful model, then the first thing that you try to do draft-wise is to replicate. So now what, what Danny Ainge did in the last few years will be the blueprint for many teams there. And so Miles Bridges, Michael Bridges, um, and all these wings like uh, Porter, which is like a different type of player. So I, I don't, I, I won't put it in a, in this context. But I, 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 I see guys like that um, raise in draft prospect. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so if you say that Orlando takes Orlando takes someone like Michael Bridges, yeah. Um, then it could be the case and you get a very, very solid NBA player, maybe a Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. And you may be okay with that. But with Trey, you have, as you said, a very, uh, like a, a good percentage that he can become your franchise player. Yeah. And a very, another big chunk uh, of his uh, likely outcome can be a Lou Williams type, even if Lou Williams is a different player, like long, like, but it, but it can be uh, a decent bench scorer. Yeah. Uh, um, and like when you pick at six, this is basically what you get. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if you, if you are confident on like, if you, like if Trey works out for you and you basically destroy everything that will, you, 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 you threw against him and you, you have faith then that the shot will translate. Then I think that this is a, the generational player that you can, you can search for. Um, so it's, it's really, really difficult to, to evaluate Trey Young. And again, take all of this, uh, knowing that I am very, very, very bad. In, I'm like Anthony Bennett bad in discussing point guards um, because I, I, I really thought that campaign was good. And let me think the one that I, I thought I, I saw nothing and it become like great. I don't remember, but they're like I, I usually um, am wrong about about point guard. And so who knows? Well, Cam got hurt, too. Yes. Uh, but I, I was sold on, for example, Kristen being, being like a very, very good player. Yeah, and it can be, it can be. Uh, he had a, but, he had a but, better year last year too for Chicago. Yes, but but let's not endure the. <laughs> I, I'm I'm quite bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I when you have the ball, like if you put Andrew Robertson on Trey Young, oh, will yeah. it be? able to pull that shot off mm-hmm. with a good screener yes without no so um well i think about Doncic with robertson on him too yeah that that is something that i thought and the picture i have in my mind is not good i know and and so um, who knows but to me it was it is worth mentioning that the shooting of trey young should not be discounted by yeah. means because it is unbelievable and if you watch it you know it there's no way he missed when he's open like yeah. he, he's dead eye like more mm-hmm. than dead eye like it's just it's just unbelievable yeah yeah he is he's very good um Michele, thanks for joining again we've done these draft deep dives uh, a couple weeks in a row we'll do some more next week on some high-level prospects. There's still a few more. we got to get to some wings of the draft. Uh, you touched on Mikael Bridges. We'll we'll do uh, him next week. We'll have uh, Wendell Carter and um, probably maybe one or two more that we'll 
do another draft deep dive on and then eventually we can get to some lower level prospects i talked a little bit about some of them on friday um Mm -hmm. but we'll we'll get to some of those as the draft gets a little bit closer Uh, we're still uh a month away from the draft so we still have some time um but uh tell your friends about our podcast uh that helps us out a lot uh tweet it out retweet uh what we put out there and that's super helpful to us to just get more um, eyes and ears on our show so uh, if you guys would do that we'd appreciate it also leave us a five-star itunes review if you got some time today uh, you guys have been great about doing that i still know that there are a ton of people that listen week in week out um, that hear us and hear me say this all the time that still haven't had uh, either the time or the uh, oomph to uh, go leave us a review but if you just can spare two minutes of your time it's just a free way to support us um, in what we're doing. So we would appreciate that. I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful day. Follow uh, McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow us at Down to Dunk. And you can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you guys again Wednesday. And uh, just make it a good one.